so blessed by Megan's leadership, the great leadership of our team. And uh, um, before we uh, begin in, in the word, and I just want to give you some updated announcements, um, but I got word, many of you may have heard about a shooting at Lincoln University, and let's just, let's just bow and pray for that place. Oh God, um, we live in a world where there's just such senseless, cruel violence, and we would lift up um, our own Lincoln University, that institution here in so close to us. We ask, Lord, that you would be ministering to everyone who is part of that campus. We pray for healing and restoration for those that were injured. We pray for the assailant uh, to be recovered. We pray for their repentance and restoration, salvation in Christ. We pray for Reverend Faison, for Dr. Brenda Allen, their president. Um, we thank you for those leaders. We pray especially for Chaplain Faison, uh, that he would know he stands with our backing and our prayers and our solidarity. And we pray that you would just, you would preserve and protect, Lord, that school. And we pray for all of our schools and places of public gathering. Lord, heal our land from this. And we stand with them. We lift it up. We pray that the evil one would be completely thwarted and that you would take even this instant to draw attention to Jesus and his matchless power and glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for, for praying with me for that. We are pushing back the darkness, and I just want to thank you for uh, the ministry of Holy Week, because I do believe one of the most powerful testimonies is your corporate worship testimony. And I heard from many people, we had great participation in that, but I just think the, the power of the Spirit of God truly was in this place. I also want to update you. We have had um, some real encouragement in terms of your giving and your generosity. We were at a point kind of running neck and neck, and at a time when, as you know, we're rebuilding our staff team, we're making decisions that demand a measure of faith. Uh, and over these weeks, there has been great generosity. We're no longer neck and neck. We're, we're significantly above expenses and really matching what I think is a, a kind of visionary budget. And so uh, thank you for your participation in that. We're a church that doesn't, we don't want anyone to feel obligated or to give as an obligation or to feel as someone new checking out Christianity, uh, that the plate is passed with an expectation. So we don't do that, but we recognize that giving and generosity are part of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And um, it's so encouraging to see that. Uh, and then finally, our staff team is being rebuilt in this season. We've kind of dubbed this as a season of renewing, regrouping, regathering, yes, repenting, uh, and finding the Lord meet us in all kinds of gracious ways. And uh, you probably have noticed behind the scenes, Nate Clark, who's serving in creative production. He has uh, just been a force of great help. That frees Christian Hessling, who has dynamic leadership in student ministry, but also uh, is just got so much strategic and visionary leadership as well as Bible teaching and um, being able to welcome him and free him up into those areas. Uh, and this week, I not only announced that Jeff Lample is going to be preaching to us this morning, but uh, before I announce a couple things about Jeff, in our, in our first service, I ask, if you came to Saving Faith in Christ while Jeff Lample was pastor here, just like raise your hand. Okay, go ahead and stand so you can see each other. There are so there are a lot. There were a lot in that first service. Uh, praise God for that. Um, tremendous. Um, if you if you made a major spiritual breakthrough in your walk with Christ as Jeff was your pastor, I want you to stand up. Or if you became to be, all right, that is significant. Praise God. And then if you just came to be part of CLC while Jeff was serving as pastor here, I want you to stand. 
Well, I've got good news for all you already know Jeff. Uh, if you haven't met him, you, you will be blessed by that. We not only got Jeff to preach on the Sunday after Easter, uh, but we have invited Jeff to rejoin our staff leadership team. Uh, and he is going to be present with us. Yeah, isn't that good news? Um, praise God for that. Um, any team with Jeff Lample on it is a better team. That's pretty obvious. It was very, uh, very obvious the first time I met Jeff that you're talking to someone who has an undivided heart, uh, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile. Uh, and it was just great to sit down with he and Christian planning out this next teaching series. Uh, and just the intergenerational cross-pollinization of spiritual vitality and ideas. So Jeff will be teaching a cow class. He's going to teach uh, screw tape letters starting this Wednesday night. He'll be present in our staff meetings for our devotional and prayer time. He doesn't have to be there for the nuts and bolts. He is, after all, coming out of retirement. We're not going to make him sit through everything. Uh, but he also just a resource to be our pastor, to be your pastor uh, as part of God's team that he's building here. So um, just praise him, praise God for that development. And we just welcome you, Jeff, to come and minister God's word to us this morning. Well, thank you. This came as a surprise to me. I didn't know it till this week. And so I, I like the word intergenerational. Yep. I bring in a new generation, an older generation, right? So, and by the way, if that part with no guile, just talk to Kathy. She can tell you about the guile part. There's guile. It's very special uh, to me and Kathy to be able to come back to this church and come into it and see how the Spirit of God is so alive. I said to Kathy just the other day, there's holiness here. We're coming back to a church with holiness, and it feels so good. And uh, it's also so good to have a pastor. Wow. I haven't had a pastor since 1987. <laughs> and that just feels good. And you know who else hasn't had a pastor other than me? Kathy. <laughs> so she gets a breath of fresh air too. It, it's, it's interesting. This is the Sunday after Easter when pastors all over the world take this Sunday off because, you know, you've just been to the mountaintop and they always get the local seminarian to preach. Well, there are no local seminarians, so he plundered the ranks of the retired and found me. But in 1987, it was the Sunday after Easter that Leon Wilkinson, Cheryl Jones, and Delina Walker drove out to Pittsburgh uh, in record time. Nobody ever drove there faster than Leon did, I think, and listened to me preach. I was the local seminarian. And then Kathy and I were given the great gift of being able to come here. So, wow, great, great, uh, what, whatever, it feels good. <laughs> so, let me, last week was Holy Week. And Holy Week as far as I can tell, you know what, his, you know what Christianity is? 
Christianity is the history of the world. Christianity is not so much a religion as it is the history of planet Earth. And so what do we have? We've got this Bible, and it tells us what the Earth's about. So God creates this world, and it's good. And then the world goes bad. And ever since then, God has been intervening in all kinds of ways through people he selects to fix the world. And one day, he's going to come back and have it fully fixed. In the middle of human history, however, you know, we've got about 5,000 years of human history, like about right in the middle of it. So here's heaven, and it's all around us. It's God's space. And here's our world. It's our space. So God's there, and there are these touch points. And in the middle of human history, God invades planet Earth. And it's like John the Baptist said, oh, this man, this Jesus, he is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And there's been, when he came, there were fireworks. Now, at first, people didn't see them because God invaded as an embryo. Can you imagine what other powerful king ever invaded another world as an embryo? Who can make that up? And there were fireworks that most people didn't see. Oh, there's angels singing the shepherd's psalm and, um, you know, the magi came. And then, about 30 years later, Jesus starts preaching and he turns everything that people knew about how the world works upside down. He went to the poor people he cast out demons. He fed miraculously thousands. He resuscitated people. He did miracles. And here's another thing he pulled off. How do you get the Jewish leadership to collude with their mortal enemies, the Romans? He did it. And they colluded arrested him, beat him up, mocked him as a false king, robe around him, crown of thorns, bleeding, and then put him up for everybody to see. King of the Jews in three languages. And he dies. And this is Jesus' coronation, mockingly for the people but in reality for planet Earth. And when he died, he went straight to hell and plundered hell and then came back and showed up as a human being, which he was, different body, same body, but different. And then he ascends to the throne of the universe. And I guess in a couple of weeks, we're going to have King Charles ascend 
to the throne of England. Well, Jesus ascends to the throne of the universe, and that was the coronation of the king of the universe. And ever since then, history has been completely different. And I think I'm going to teach a class on that someday. Meanwhile, there's a man named John. He might be the apostle, it might not be, but he was an eyewitness, and he is preaching this stuff. Well, you got to get rid of a guy like that because if Jesus is Caesar, that's dangerous because we think if Jesus is Lord of the universe, we think Caesar is. So they arrested him and locked him up on an island. While he's on this island, he's praying. And it's like, and it's like if I think of it as a, a, a theater and everybody's waiting for the stage production to start. And it's the, uh, the lights go dark and the, the curtain is pulled back and suddenly you see the curtain between heaven and earth is pulled back and he sees what's going on beyond the veil. And it's fireworks. There's hail and there's plagues and stars fall and thunder and beasts and horses and locusts and <clears throat> trees of life in a wedding, and he sees all of, you know, I can't believe this has never been made into a movie. Would that be not a great movie? Absolutely. Yes, that would be a great movie. Well, I think this story in Revelation might be the most relevant thing in the Bible that you can read for your lives today in 21st century America. Let's stand as I read to you a portion of chapter one. <clears throat> this is the word of God. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and everyone will see him, and even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, 
who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Lord, may you uh, animate my words and the meditations of our hearts. Amen. May be seated. <clears throat> so first of all, in verse 6, we just read this. You have been, past tense, done deal, made a priest. You are, not should be, are, is a priest. In Latin and in uh, Italian, the word for priest is pont, which is a bridge. I and you, as a believer, have been made as our primary purpose on planet Earth, a bridge between God and people. At work, at play, in my neighborhood, as a parent, as a spouse, that's it. I am to be, I am a person who God plans to use as a person through whom God can connect to you wherever I am. Or a person through whom these people will be able to somehow connect with God. Goes both ways. That's it. If I could give you anything out of today, well, it would be that, but there's some more too. So, Let's go through the chapter with some brief things. Verse 1 says, the revelation of God. The title of this book in the Bible is Apocalypse. It only means unveiling. We get to see behind the curtain. And then um, <clears throat> we read that seven churches are being written to. Seven is the perfect number. We're going to go through those seven churches over the next seven weeks. But it's not just the seven churches, it's for all churches, for you. And then seven golden lampstands. A lampstand is a church. John is using imagery from the Old Testament to describe what's indescribable. So he calls lampstands churches, and then he sees Son of Man, right out of the book of Daniel. And he's among the churches. This is Jesus. As you know, churches are messy. You've never been to a perfect church. You'll never find a perfect church, but you'll find in the midst of that messiness, you and me, Jesus is there. And he's not ashamed to be here. And then, he's got a golden sash and robe. He's a priest. The hair on his head was white, which means purity. Some of you, as I look around, are becoming more pure by the day. <laughs> and his eyes were like blazing fire, 
piercing. He can see you, the depths of who you are, yet purifying you. His feet were like bronze, solid. They can't fit. It's a solid foundation. Remember Nebuchadnezzar? Feet of clay, powerful, but feet broke, fell over. Not not this Jesus. And his voice was like rushing waters. I think of a waterfall, water rushing over the rocks, so refreshing. I want to get close to it. I want to feel it. I want to get in it. I don't want to leave it. Yet it's so dangerous to be too close to it. Danger, beauty, refreshment, all of it. That's his voice. And seven stars. At that time, they thought there were seven planets, and he held the whole world in his hands. Peter, Paul, and Mary picked up on that. In his mouth, a sword. Sword from his mouth. Not sheath, but his mouth. Words. His words are the power of the universe. And guess what John does? He falls on his face flat. What do you do before the greatest power in the universe? Well, fall flat in your face. But then he says, Jesus says, don't be afraid. I think I heard it correctly. Oh, there are 365 don't be afraids in the Bible. Why would he say don't be afraid? Because he is. But because this greatest power in the cosmos loves you. And he's on your side. He is for you, not against you. And now, finally, the, uh, this great verse in chapter 5. A couple chapters later, throne room of the universe. Guess who's on it? It's not President Xi of China. It is not President Putin of Russia. It is not former President Donald Trump. It is not Genghis Khan or Pol Pot or guess who's on it? A lamb. A lamb who's slain. The, The sacrificed lamb from the Old Testament. A slain lamb. What power does a slain lamb have? The power of the universe. And that's who is in charge. And over these next weeks, you are going to have the gift of being able to learn how to live as a lamb in the power of the lamb in the face of the most difficult things that you encounter in your lives. Bob and Christian will be preaching on that in the next several weeks. Bob, I can't wait to hear what you say. It better be good. (laughs) So, now, a couple of things. We have a big picture here. The kingdom of God has invaded planet Earth And here we are in planet Earth, and planet Earth, according to the Bible, especially in Revelation, 
is infected with an evil power which seeks to destroy everything of God and you. And this evil power in the book of Revelation is called the dragon. Other words for the dragon in the Bible are the devil, Lucifer, angel of light. In other words, looks good at first. Uh, Beelzebub, prince of the power of the air, uh, prince of darkness, Satan. Now here's the big thing. This is so hard for Americans. We think we're so sophisticated. We believe in science. We don't believe much in the supernatural. We believe in what we see, what is right in front of us. And it's so hard to believe in a devil, especially when he's caricatured as this little guy who's red with a pitchfork. But here's the reality. There's a power. I don't think you can explain humanity and human history without it. There is a power that is not equal and opposite God. No. There's only God. There is only goodness. That's it. But somehow, inexplicably, without any personal existence of its own, it still exists, and it seeks to infect, uh, deceive, uh, misrepresent, change goodness, and ruin it. And that's the power of Satan at work. And when John was writing, he said that power infected all of the Roman Empire, and where that power, Satan, is at work, he calls that empire Babylon, because Babylon was the worst thing that happened to the Jews 600 years prior. So Rome is Babylon. And he's writing to people and saying, how do you live in Babylon? Let me show you. And that's what we're going to learn, because Babylon infects the world. Example, my opinion, nobody told me this. You can agree or disagree, but I think the dragon has pulled President Putin into his team, Team Dragon. And there's a bunch of people following President Putin who say, I'm in, I'm part of Team Dragon, but most aren't, most are just deceived. Why do I think that? How can a nation, a leader, take hundreds of thousands of their own men and take them and send them wave after wave into slaughter after slaughter after slaughter? And that's a sign of Team Dragon, loves death. And how can the leader of the Russian Orthodox Church who claims supremacy over all of Christendom, say, if you volunteer to go get slaughtered, you get absolved of your sins. I think that's Team Dragon. But Team Dragon is not only there. 
Team Dragon is at work right here, right here in River City. We know that's, you have to be my age to know what I meant. <laughs> and some of you are, and you did know what I meant. <clears throat> so, when we think that a new president will do it, that's what we need for a fix. When we think, oh, you're a Republican, if we only get better Democrats, you're a Democrat, if we only get better Republicans, if we only get better teachers, if we only get better education system, if we only get a stronger military, oh, if we only get a better economic system, ah, then Team Dragon has you in his clutches because none of that will ever work. Because Team Dragon cannot be defeated by human power. In fact, some of you are very discouraged Christians. Why? You have tried to be better. You've tried to rid yourself of some habit. You've tried to be a better person. But you can't. You get discouraged. Why? Because humans cannot defeat and have victory over Team Dragon. We can't. In fact, I've often thought that the, the, uh, we should, <laughs> our logo, not logo, slogan, should be, we are a church that can't. You can't, we can't, nobody here can, but we know somebody who can. I'm not picking up on that one. That's all right. <laughs> This is so important because I think that most of us never think about that. Which is why I encourage you when you go home to do this homework. Think about where you see Team Dragon at work. Where do you see pride? Where do you see divisiveness? Where do you see demonization? Where do you see um, um, a masker demonize an anti-masker and an anti-masker demonizing a masker and saying, you're the problem, Satan's at work on you, Satan's and God's, Satan's got the victory. We do that with Democrats and Republicans. We demonize each other. Instead of realizing each other is not the enemy, our battle is not against flesh and blood, it's against Satan. Which is why Pastor Bob has got these prayer meetings going. When you show up at a prayer meeting, you are sitting under the Lamb, who's got all the power, and we pray for him to guide us, which is why, I don't know if I already said this, on Wednesday night, I'm gonna start teaching on the, uh, for the rest of Cal, probably right here, about how to recognize Satan and what to do about that in your life, because you, are affected by the Satan's work. 
And I'm going to use the screw tape letters where senior devil, screw tape, trains junior devil, Wormwood, in how to ruin his patient, which is you. <laughs> so we'll try that. We'll see. If you want to come, you're welcome. So, children's ministry, do you know what? If you're volunteering to teach those little children, you are doing one of the most important things on planet Earth. You are training up those little children to be followers of the most, of, of the one of the one thing that human beings need, the king of the universe, God in Jesus Christ. And you're a hero. Um, Os Guinness is a great, is a great sociologist, Christian sociologist. And he speaks to all over the world. He says, all societies fail, all of them. And every society faces a civilizational moment when something is decided. And at that decision time, they either continue the decline or they reverse it. And he says, we are at the civilizational moment when we either return to the foundational uh, truth of our society, which was uh, the founding on a, as the Western world, the influence of Jesus Christ. And as we turn away from it, we will continue to decline. If we turn back to it, there's still hope. In other words, here's this great sociologist saying, revival is what we need. What we need is Jesus. And I think in each of our lives, that gets put in the back burner so easily in our day-to-day -day lives with what's in front of us. I want to remind us, that's where our hope is. So, well, this series is about learning to live as a lamb in the power of the lamb in Babylon. So here's a simple example. I got an email this week from Chris. He's the leader of Young Life in Salzburg, Austria. He wrote it to thank people for what he did. So what he did, he did what he does. You know, we all do what we do. It's after Easter. What do you do after Easter? Well, you just do what you do. Well, what he did when they read about two, a year ago, Russia invading Europe. He went to a meeting with other pastors. They thought, what do we do? Well, let's fill up a van with food and take it to Ukraine. So he's sitting there thinking, I can drive. So he, he did this. I'll, I'll drive. Got his GPS, drove to uh, the border of Poland and Western Ukraine, and delivered the food. It was a mess. Thousands of women and children at the border trying to get out, all kinds of people trying to take advantage of them. Men coming and trying to take the women for slavery, sex slavery. 
He meets the woman in the middle, runs into her, and she's scared to death. What's this big guy going to do? For some reason, she trusts him. He says, all right, I'm going to come get you and your daughter. Didn't get him because he's back in eastern Ukraine fighting the Russians. So he does it. He gets her, her daughter, another mother and her daughter, puts them in the van and drives home. It was messy. It was hard, dangerous and scary. They drive home, put them up in their home for about a month, enlist people from our church and others to help them learn German, find a home, get a job. They're, they're resettled. Now, here's the thing. It's so simple. What did Peter do after Easter? I don't know. I guess I go fishing. Go back and do what you do. But that's where Jesus met him. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, as a priest, you can rest assured that Jesus will meet you and prompt you in some way to live out your bridgeness to a neighbor, to the checkout person in Walmart, to raising your hand, to driving to Ukraine. I don't know. He didn't know what was coming. He thought he was delivering food. And here's the deal. Christians all over planet Earth are doing things like that. From the littlest to the biggest things, which means the church, you as priests, are the most powerful force for good on all of planet Earth. Don't underestimate the smallest or the biggest thing. And over the next several weeks, we are going to learn how Jesus talks to Pergamum Church and Ephesus Church and New London Church about what we, he gives us what we need and we'll get what we need. And so, homework. Look this week. Where do you see deception? That's Team Dragon. Where do you see division? That's Team Dragon. Where do you see um, people demonizing each other? It's not the people. It's Team Dragon. Um, pride. Where do you, and then, where do you see Team Lamb? Do you see humility? Uh, Chances are good Team Lamb is there. Where do you see um, the fruits of the Spirit? Where do you see those who just say, hear a prompting and, all right, I'll do that. I'll do that. Uh, and, and where do you see love? So uh, as the worship team comes up, uh, let's pray together. So, Lord, God, you have already made me and every person here a priest, a bridge. May you teach us over these next weeks how to be the kind of a bridge that looks attractive 
that's lamb-like, but strong and powerful. Powerful and inviting enough so that you can reach others through each of us and that others can maybe sense, huh, there's something more there. So this we pray, and we pray it in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Please stand with us and let's sing to our risen Lord.
from the book of Ephesians receive this benediction. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know, may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and the incomparably great power for us who believe. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Bye-bye. of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet, we shout out your praise, there's joy in the house of the Lord.